Welcome to Lessons Learned in Implementation Science, the podcast where we discuss real implementation challenges and successes with experienced practitioners in fields of health, education, and more. This episode features Dean Fixen and Marshall Swenson, who are both experts in the field of implementation science. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Marshall Swenson is the world's leading expert on exploration stage work. He has been the one to respond to requests to use multisystemic therapy, MST, for many years and to explore the readiness of groups to use MST with fidelity and good outcomes. Marshall, you've been doing this exploration work for MST for many years. When, when did you actually start? Well, I started working with MST in uh, 1994. I uh, had the role of an MST expert st- uh, starting, well, was trained to do it then, and then uh, shifted around 1998 uh, into the into the program developer role um, and did it part-time for a while and then discovered that that wasn't possible, so shifted over to full-time. So for 20 years now, though, you've been fielding the calls from people who are interested in uh, making use of MST and uh, you've been making decisions uh, about um, uh, whether it's a go or no-go, but uh, but what do you have a process for this? I mean, just generally speaking, is there a, like a broad outline of a process that you use? Uh, so, so if if I were to call you and say, "Hey, Marshall, we're we're interested in using MST here in Chapel Hill," I mean, how what what would we do between that and the point where you would say that's a good idea or not? Okay. Well, the the first thing I want to do is check out what you intend to use it for so that I can make sure that the technology of MST is actually geared to solve the problems that the, that you would be uh, uh, wanting to solve with it. So that's usually defined as uh, wanting to know the target population uh, and a little bit about the population in terms of how how large a population that you're you're estimating. So 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 that's sort of the looking for compatibility of the of the treatment model with the needs of the, the person calling in. Um, the second thing that I that I like to do is, uh, uh, well, I also want to find out who am I talking to, mainly because uh, we might get a call from a supervisor who would love to do this but not have the support of their agency. But if I'm talking with a CEO, that's a bit different. Um, then, then I want to look at... Uh, um, uh, you know something about their organization just to see if it's, it would be an organization that would fit well with this type of work. And generally it is, but that's, you know, it's worth uh, asking. Um, and then I want to talk with them a little bit about how they would, uh, so what type of funding that they would use to pay for the program. Um, and then, uh, uh, and then a little bit about, you know, I kind of start fairly early about sort of the feasibility of doing this type of project. Uh, because what we're looking for is an organization that is um, ready, willing, and able uh, to do this MST, and that's the that's the terms that we will use. You know, are they ready? Are they willing? And are they able? In order to do that, we have to give them information about what are the requirements to do the program, so that so that they have a good understanding of what it is that they're getting into. And this could happen in the first phone call, or it could happen over a series of phone calls. Um, and if, if it looks like that they, they're uh, wanting to do it for the right reasons, they have a capable organization to be able to do this, then, then we can get into more detail about how much the cost 
is of doing this um, because um, uh, it's a bit different if they responded to an RFP, the money's already on the table, they've already been vetted, we can move more quickly. Uh, if they're looking to say apply for a grant or apply for a funding stream, it might go a little bit more slowly. But but the but the you know making sure that that all the all of the ready, willing, and able steps are in place, um, and we can do all of that without really charging them a dime because it's phone calls only. And 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 so I, I've worked with people for a, a number of years actually uh, in order to get to that point. Mm -hmm. So how, how long does a typical exploration process uh, take from the time that, that say, uh, a phone call comes in and you have your first uh, interaction with whoever it is that called in, and then finally you have your ready, willing, and able questions answered, and you're saying, well, this looks like a go, or, you know, I, I, I'm not so sure that uh, this is going to work. So what, what is that weeks, months, years? Well, I, I'll tell you the the no-go usually comes pretty quickly uh, because the no-go is, um, um, you know, can be from their end. Oh, we didn't understand what it was we were asking for. This is not what we need. Uh, and it also can come from our end, and that is to be able to say, you can't use the technology that way because we don't have any evidence that it works. Mm -hmm. so, the, so those are the big no-goes. And then sometimes once we get into the to the um, specifics of the program, um, you know, it's like, oh, I don't, you know, I can't hire new staff or something like that. We'll run into something that would be a no-go. But, but that's generally, you can get to that point usually in one to two phone calls. Because sometimes you'll have one phone call, they'll do some homework and then come back and we'll have a second phone call that fills things out a little bit. So that's, that can happen pretty quickly if they're pretty knowledgeable. Um, it, it takes more time if they're having to bring in, say, stakeholders or other people from the organization, because it's, it, it's usually a community decision, not just a person decision. And I'm very happy to take the time that's necessary to be able to do that. But we can reach that um, in a fairly short order if all the, if all the uh, questions are answered with a yes, you know. Um, uh, and that they and that there's some supporting evidence, you know, that they have funding and they have the organizational support. So, so and and so to get to the yes takes longer than getting to the no response. It sounds like and and getting to the yes uh, answer might take what would you say two or three months worth of phone calls back and forth or exchange of documents that kind of thing. Well, there again, it depends on the circumstances of the calling in. I've, I had one group uh, in, in Michigan, for example, they had already put together a team of people that included all of the key stakeholders. They did some research, found MST, learned about MST, and then made the call. And so that was a pretty quick, quick and easy uh, uh, go decision. We've had other situations where, let's say, for example, a state puts uh, money on the table um, to, to pay for MST. And we begin to get phone calls from, from provider organizations who are interested in tapping into that money. And they may or may not know what MST is, but to them, it's a business opportunity at first. And so that takes a little bit longer because we don't want somebody to jump into this just because it's a good business opportunity if indeed they uh, 
are not willing to do what it takes to do MST with complete fidelity. Um, so, so, uh, so the variability has been very large, and it's it's really what do they walk into the front door with? Yep. Sounds like you have a pretty clear uh, notion of uh, getting people to the point where there is a decision that, as you said, either they're making, uh, this is a good good idea, a good fit with uh, what they have, or that you're making saying uh, that it's a good fit or not. So right. but this, this process and these questions that you are, are just uh, describing, how, how did you get to this point? How, how do you know that they're the right questions? How, do you have uh, a feedback loop in here somewhere where you know that the, uh, the last 10 uh, uh, groups that you said, you know, I've sat here and, and I'm Marshall and I've, I've uh, listened to all of this and I think they are a great prospect. Uh, do you hear then from your MST partners that, uh, yeah, that worked out really well, or eight out of the 10 worked well, and here are the two that didn't? Do you, where, where's the feedback loop? Well, we have a number of feedback loops um, that we can look to. Um, the, the first and foremost is the degree to which we can launch the program in a way that they start off with a good referral stream and that sort of thing. So you know, in terms of post-startup uh, kinds of things, we can look at, uh, we can also look at staff stability. Um, uh, if they hired well, that usually speaks well of the program. If they, if they didn't hire well, then that could really cripple a program in the first year because people are looking to this new program uh, for, for that stability. If they don't see it, then they lose confidence. Mm-hmm. And then but sometimes... You, you hear about this pretty quickly then after... Yeah. After you said, uh, yeah, let's go for it. And, and so within a few months or within a year, it sounds like you're getting feedback uh, that says that the exploration process and the questions and answers that you got uh, were, uh, were the right ones. Right. And I think the, how the questions evolved is um, uh, if you think about starting a new pro- program, uh, we ask people to do what would be the equivalent of writing a business plan. Mm-hmm. So, you know, is the plan complete? Is the plan well thought out? Uh, thought out? Do they have the kind of community support that would be necessary to, to be able to in, uh, implement the plan? You can kind of tell about that by who's signing on, who comes to our site readiness meeting uh, that we have shortly before kickoff. Um, and so, um, so it's not to say that we don't occasionally have projects that we think have a certain amount of risk to them. Um, you know, for example, in a, in a rural area where you have very few agencies and you have sort of a small agency wanting to do this, there's literally nobody else in the, in the, in the running to be able to do it. We know we're going to have to support them much more heavily. They're going to have more, um, difficulties in, in being able to locate, uh, uh, qualified staff and that sort of thing, but it's worthwhile doing because they they're filling a niche that probably nobody else is going to fill. So there's a degree of risk that's involved. Well, but that's a very interesting point, though, uh, Marshall. That that it's not only feedback coming your way, but it's also feedback that you're providing to your partner, saying. Uh, in this rural area, uh, you all are going to have to work a little harder to get the right people there. And so there's a, a feed-forward uh, component to this that uh, sounds like right. you have in place. Well, that's right. But, then, but, you know, a lot of the, the uh, questions we ask up front are, 
are informative kinds of things. Are you aware that you have to have dedicated staff? And here's the impact on your budget for that. And are you aware that we're looking for master's level staff? You know, are they available? Um, how would you pay for them and that sort of thing? So there's, so the questions are both pra practical, pragmatic, but they also involve the requirements of the program itself. And a lot of that learning has come from um, over the years when there has been a practice that we thought was a good idea, but you know, we were flexible on it, like using less qualified staff, for example. And then over the years, we find out that the turnover rates are just too high to manage and, and that we kind of shifted from being a recommended practice to a required practice. So if you can't do this, then don't, don't try to do it. That's the experience base that we come uh, into this with. But, it, but, but we, have to, we have to do this in a way that's flexible enough that we can take into consideration the, the environment in which the program's gonna be operating, the degree of support that they have, and the amount of risk that we're willing to take to try to start up a program that may uh, may require some additional management on our part. Well, Marshall, I, all your uh, uh, responses to the questions, uh, clearly you are the world's leading expert on exploration. So to, <laughs> well, to hear, hear your descriptions uh, so clearly uh, stated and to talk about the uh, how you've accumulated this experience and changed things over time based on the, the feedback uh, that you've gotten, uh, the fact that you take risks once in a while just to see, uh, but you follow up to see, is that a good thing or a bad thing? So, uh, so we very much appreciate your time uh, to uh, spend with us today on this interview, uh, and uh, we look forward to, uh, to the next step uh, in this process. So thank you very much, Marshall. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thanks, Dean. I appreciate your inviting me to be here today.